Do you remember how to do this? Oh, apparently not. Apparently not. Okay, there we go. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. We are back from Christmas vacation and ready for a brand new year. Was Santa good to you? We'll tell you what we found under the tree this year. Including the latest in smart home technology, turntables, and gadgets to annoy the FedEx guy. Plus, Dave McKinnon of BestCarAudio.com tells us what to look for next week when we're live on location at the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. It's Vegas, baby. Vegas. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. No, I uh, I just got back from Winnipeg. I came here to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> is is that why you're wearing your Tatooine outfit today? Oh, it looks like either you're getting ready for surgery or you're going to pick up some power converters. <laughs> it got so cold. It was minus 44 with the wind chill. So I finally got to the airport last night. And as soon as I got in line, a woman came up to me and says, your flight's canceled. Oh. So I had to go back to my parents' place, and it was unbelievably cold. And then I had to get up at quarter to four this morning, and it was even colder. Your will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Yeah. Oh, my God. But the wild thing was, I was on my way in with my rental car, and I stopped in to fill it, fill it up with gas. <laughs> yes. And unbelievably, it was a full-serve gas station. Well, of course not. You think you want to get out of your car in that temperature? I, absolutely not. But there was this poor guy from the Philippines who looked, who was dressed up more than Bib the Michelin Man, uh. you know, waddling over from car to car, putting gas in. I felt so bad for this guy. He's probably thinking, I'm going back to Manila. There's just no way that this is... And it was... It was I, I grew up in that part of the world, so I... I, I I was inured to it a little bit, but I've lost any resistance I have to the cold. None whatsoever. All right. You ready for this? Oh, did I tell you about my uh, my other airplane accident? Well, hang on. When you say airplane and accident, that sounds really, really bad. It does. It is. So we uh, were on our way to uh, Vietnam. No, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. And we were on Eva Airlines, flight number 35, uh, from Toronto to Taipei. And we got on the plane, and we pushed back a little bit late. But then the pilot comes on, and he says, we're going to de-ice. Oh, this is a bit strange. I mean, it's 7 or 8 degrees outside. I don't think we really need to de-ice. But okay, whatever. It's better safe than sorry. So we go to the de-icing area at Pearson International. And uh, they spray the goop all over the plane. And then we begin to taxi to our takeoff position. And then there are two loud series of shutters. Like, ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. And then a few more seconds go by. Ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. That's, that's weird. I don't remember speed bumps being anywhere on a taxiway. <laughs> so the plane goes ahead another 100 feet and then comes to a stop. And the pilot comes on and says, yeah, we're just going to check something. <laughs> and... Uh, that delay extends and extends and extends. And it turns out that he didn't line up properly on the center line going through the de-icing area. So the right wing of this 777-300ER 
tore through two light standards with the wing and on the starboard side. So I I look out and there are fire trucks everywhere and there's uh, uh, jet fuel pouring out. And the guy did not know that he had hit these light standards until air traffic control said, of BR thirty five, you you might want to just check see if you got all your right wing there, and, and he didn't. And when I flew out to Winnipeg on Thursday night, the plane was still at Pearson, uh, getting repaired. I I swear I am not looking forward to going to Vegas with you if these are the stories you come no, back with. No, you no you no yeah. No. So how was Christmas? Christmas was was fine. Um, we didn't give each other presents and in our household, except for the dogs, because uh, we, we gifted ourselves with this trip to the Far East. How about you? Um, I well, wifey hates everything I got her. <sighs> what did you buy? And I almost killed her in the process with one of the gifts. OK, I, for, back up, back up. So yeah. what did you give her? Well, I, I got her a, a pair of nice yoga pants from TNA, which the joke is not lost on me. <laughs> And and a, a lovely sort of apres ski sweater. And I thought this would be a really nice combination. That was when she informed me of three things. Oh, and then a nice pair of socks. So like you can almost, it's like it was a whole chalet kind of uh, package because it was these, these yeah. little booty type socks. So she puts on the booty type socks, wipes out going down the stairs and almost breaks her leg. Oh, because the socks are so slippery. Not accustomed to wearing socks going down the hardwood staircase. Yeah, yeah, okay. Then she informs me that TNA yoga pants are not for middle-aged women, she says. Um, take them I, back. I beg to differ, well, but I, 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 she's got to wear them, that, not me. No, 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 what, but what does that mean? Is it, I then, think it's a style thing. I, I think the, the young chickadees are the ones into the TNA, and then the older women are more into the Lululemon, I suspect. Well, if you go to Whole Foods, that's what you see. There you go. Uh, and yeah. then the, the sweater turned out to be too scratchy. But my deal with her is I get socks and underwear because the first three years of our relationship, everything she bought me geek wise was either dead on arrival, not the product I wanted or the one I wanted, but wasn't any good. So our relationship plan was don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Just buy me socks and underwear and I'll buy my own geek gifts on on Boxing Day. And that's what I did. What did you buy? I bought a whole mess of smart home gear, the 21st century stuff that you and I have been talking about me upgrading to because I wanted to get a taste for it because it's all HomeKit compatible. So you just uh, say to your your iPhone what you want on and off, and and it does that. But you know what? It doesn't. (laughs) First of all, what brand? Um, It was iDevices, which seemed to have the best of everybody I I read a review of uh, on the Intertron. But the problem doesn't seem to be specifically iDevices. It doesn't seem to be the Hue motion sensors that I bought as well or or any of the light socket type stuff. What it is is it's um, Wi-Fi based. And every once in a while, it drops off the Wi-Fi network. All the different gear does. No matter what I bought, it all at some point became unresponsive. And the problem with that is, is that if you've got a scheduled porch light to go on at 6 p.m. or, say, dusk and that drops off your network for even a brief minute during that period you don't get the front porch light going on i've had that problem with my google home every once in a while i have to go around to my google uh the big google homes and the google minis and reconnect them because for whatever reason they've dropped off my network and my network is a google mesh network so you would think that they'd be compatible 110 percent 
it hasn't been that way. I've also been having a few problems with my hue lights. Uh, I, I tend to have some problems um, with with one one particular light that just won't pay attention to any of the routines I set up. It's better than it used to be. I mean, you and I both remember what it was like getting any kind of wireless to work. You know, ten years ago, it was it was a nightmare. Yep. Uh, so it's better, but it's not it's not foolproof yet. The spousal approval factor is absolute zero, and it actually has less to do with the fact that these things drop off the network. Um, one of the neat features is that you tie it into the GPS on your phone, and you can set it up so that it, when both of you leave the house, it uh, turns off all the lights, and it keeps track of who's there and who's not, and will automatically turn off whatever scene you want when you leave, and it says, when the last person leaves, do this, which is excellent. But like I said, sometimes it drops off the network. But the bigger problem and the lack of spousal approval factor has more to do with the fact that the 15-year-old technology I'm using for smart home right now has additional buttons on the panels for other scenes. And the new technology doesn't. So if I want to replace one switch that handles the mantle as well as the fireplace, as well as the side table lamps, as well as the front hall light... I have to buy a bunch of giant and, and they're, they're like, you know, novelty silver dollar sized buttons at a hundred bucks a pop just to replace that one switch. It's simply not worth it. I've learned my lesson. I'm taking it all back. You are. How can you imagine wifey would have felt if I said, thank you very much for buying me all this geek gear, but I'm taking it back. Right. I guess she would have felt a lot like the way I did when she said, I don't like the DNA <laughs> or the scratchy sweater. And by the way, my foot is still not healing. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> well, there's a couple of things that I'm looking at buying. First of all, I want to get an August. Uh, oh, the uh, lock? The lock. No, no, no. That. You don't want a lock because you live in Canada. Do you, well, not, no, do you not? No, find... no, 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 no. This, this would be for from between the, the, the garage and the house. Okay, that's so even not, worse. Why? Um, it's a temperature thing. Do you find that the deadbolt on your door, an exterior door, um, is a little harder to turn in the winter than in the summer? Yeah, but this is a this is from inside the garage to inside the house. Oh, so the temperature, okay. the, I would never use one on an outdoor door. Yeah, because, you know, you have a day like today where it's like minus what is it, 23 outside. It just it's not going to happen. Yeah, your garage is still not heated. It's but it's eight degrees. It never really goes below eight, okay. five degrees. OK, so it would work. So I want to get one of those. And uh, I've been, been kind of researching in the August lock seems to be the one with the best reviews. So there's that. And uh, there was one other thing I wanted to get. And I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, and I did get a ring doorbell. Oh, and I quite like it. Now, my problem was I had to get the non-wired one, which means every month, month and a half or so, I have to take it off, stick a USB charger in it, bring it back up to full speed and then put it back on the front door. Uh, but I do like it. And I have the th uh, $30 a year uh, video recording package. So if anybody ever comes to the door, I can... Uh, I, 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 I have an idea of who's there. Uh, I also have a desktop version. So my office is in the basement. So whenever somebody is at the front door, a little window pops up on my Mac and it shows me exactly who's there. And I can click on a button and I can talk to that person. And I can even talk to that person on my smartphone from wherever I am in the world. And I actually did that because when I was in Vietnam, uh, a guy from FedEx delivered a ceiling fan. And there was nobody home. So I was able to talk to him from my phone from Hoi An, Vietnam, and tell him to come back. Awesome. 
Yeah, that was cool. Now, the one problem with the ring is that on cold days like this, yes. it, it also has a motion sensor. I've got it set up so you know it tells you that there's motion at your front door just in case somebody's trying to steal a package sure. or, or, or whatever it is. But on cold days, what seems to happen is that if there is a puff of warm air that comes by from my neighbor's uh, vented uh, vent from his from his furnace, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it sets off this, this motion detector. So, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, my phone, my iPad, and my ringers on both floors <laughs> are going off telling me that I have, I have uh, motion at my front door. Well, I think the solution is simply just tell your guy next door to not use his heater. Yeah, turn it off. Time now for Ask Alan Anything. Got a question about music, love, that suspicious rash? Ask Alan Anything. Call 323-319-NERD. Victor Woolhouse has written into us here, uh, pointing out that there seems to be numerous ads for Bluetooth turntables, some for more high-end audio retailers. I was wondering what your opinion is of them. Doesn't this negate the supposed upside to the analog sound of vinyl by transmitting the sound digitally? Curious from your musical and technological perspective. Love the podcast. He says, P.S. Alan, I'm still trying to find my Vile Tones cassette recorded off the soundboard around 1977. Oh. He says he mentioned did a few years back and uh, you were interested in getting a copy. Yes, yes I am. And he is absolutely 100% right because once you turn something digitally, you lose that warm analog feeling unless you have one of these expensive digital to analog converters. So uh, it is part of the reason why a lot of people who uh, have high-end turntables spend ungodly amounts of money on on high-end cables because you want to make sure that that analog signal reaches from the, goes from the source to the amplifier. Uh, and and Bluetooth is 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 fine for short-term stuff. If you are not, if you want the here, here's my answer. If you want the experience of playing a record and you don't want the hassle of cables and maybe you live in a place where you don't have giant speakers and you can't turn the music up really really loud go ahead with your bluetooth turntable because it you probably won't notice the difference however if you have a house and if you have a large amplifier and if you have speakers that can shake the foundations you need to have cables my opinion I'm not going to change that opinion. So that's what I would suggest. You would be absolutely mortified by what I got my father for Christmas this year. Oh, what? You got him a a, a USB turntable? I I got him a USB turntable. Oh, God. And I I hemmed and hawed about this for like literally years. I think the entire time you and I have run this show, which is our fifth season now, every year you rail against USB turntables because I understand it. I get it that the cartridge with the actual needle in it is substandard compared to what you would get with a traditional turntable that's a little more high end. Same thing with the toner arm and the weight and all of that, but my father has stacks. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just call it a toner arm? (laughs) Yeah, as opposed to a tone arm. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. Continue. Your father has stacks and stacks of wax. Yeah, stacks and stacks of red hot wax that he doesn't play ever because he's um, he's got it all packed away. And he's got mm. an iPad and, and an Apple TV and all that. And he, he just focuses on whatever he downloads off the iTunes. So I had thought, you know, maybe this is something to get for him. But then it's the, even the cheap ones, to your point, are actually quite expensive. So I got him an, uh, an Audio-Technica. 
Yeah, that's that's a good brand. And I went to the to the highest number they had on the list. Whatever that one is, that's the one I want. And I got it. And I got to tell you, he was so thrilled. Hmm. So I, I gave it to him at 11 a.m. on Christmas Day. I but called wait, wait, wait. him six hours later and said, so what do you think? He says, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hooking it up. Okay, well, why would you get him a USB turntable? As opposed to? What is it? Does he plug it into his computer? Is that why? That's what he would do. He would use it to, to get all of that vinyl off the uh, floor okay. in the basement and into an iPad so that he could actually use it. Okay. All right. That's fine. Yeah. That's Boy, that's that's like making, <laughs> making mixtapes back in the day because you got to do it in real time. You do. And it actually takes a little bit longer because once you put a side of a record in, or let's say you put an entire uh, record in, then you have to go in with the editing software and break it up into individual songs. The app actually does all of that for you. The only thing the app doesn't do is fill in the blanks of what the song and what the artist is. And I think that might be the Achilles heel to the technology and why he might not go through the entire stack of wax. Well, you, you know how that works, right? With, uh, with CDs? How? Okay, so there's a company called Gracenote that pioneered this many, many years ago. And what they do is when you stick a CD into your computer, it looks at the number of tracks and the total number of minutes and seconds that those number of tracks add up to. Then it goes into a database and it matches X number of songs with exactly that timing. And it guesses that that's the CD that it's, it's, that's in, your, in your computer. This is not stuff that's resident. This is not data that's resident on the CD itself. The Internet has to go out and fetch it. And that's why uh, when you do this, when you rip a, song to, uh, rip, a, rip a CD to your computer, you'll see sometimes you get multiple choices of which album it is that you actually stuck in there. Ah, okay. So he still has some work cut out for him. Uh, we'll also find out as we go to the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, just what the latest in music technology is. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to going this year. I don't know if I can make it. You know that, right? I really want to go, but I... I... I, I, the, the problem, of course, is that you and I don't have the cash. We literally drained the Geeks and Beats bank account just getting the hardware necessary to do the show live from the floor of the Las I Vegas know, Convention Center. And, 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 and uh, the wife is between work right now. She, she probably won't start working until the middle of, uh, middle of uh, uh, January. So that's a uh, you know, bit of an issue. I get it. I get it. So what you're basically saying is people need to ge- People need to go to the Geeks and Beats website <laughs> yeah. and, and support the show. We, we actually broke it down. Um, you, you can support us in one way that gets us lunch, another way that gets us dinner, and another way that actually saves us from sleeping on Vasem Vnokokian's couch. Did you know that our writer, Vasem, is actually a Las Vegas resident? No. Is, is he? He is. Where, where do we find this guy? So uh, he's going to be picking uh, me and wifey up uh, at uh, the airport because, uh, you know, we're going to take advantage of that, that sort of thing. Uh, she is going to be acting as our field producer while we're down there, by the way. We, we have a Las Vegas desk? We have a Las Vegas bureau chief. No kidding. I really
And who knows what he's going to be telling us about in 2018 based upon his uh, geographic location. But uh, so if you want to get, make sure that Alan also gets down there because we've already <laughs> blown all the cash. Uh, go to geeksandbeats.com, click the CES 2018 link and uh, help us uh, out. Right. You are you are going, right? You and uh, we've, going? we've already paid for the flight. Okay. We've already got Good. one hotel Good. room booked. I got to tell you, though, you, me and wifey aren't sharing a hotel room. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't think you uh, I don't think you want me in your hotel room. I really don't. I've heard you snore louder than the dogs. I, I apparently no. do. But of course, one of the big things down at CES 2018, as it is every year that I go, is um, the audio section. Like I would say about a third of the show is dedicated to the automotive industry, and half of that is dedicated to kids buying $14,000 cars and adding $14,000 worth of stereo equipment to it. Well, you know, I used to be a, a gigantic car audio nerd. I mean, from the moment I got my mom's Pinto, I was modifying the audio equipment. But then by the time I got into my 20s and I was buying, uh, I bought a Honda Prelude. And uh, I was so impressed with the standard factory audio that I, since then, no, that's not true. There's one other car that I upgraded the speakers in. But other than that, I've been very, very pleased with the... With with the with the audio um, automotive audio that I've been getting now it used to be and if you're of a certain age you'll understand this in the 80s and 90s and even the early part of the 2000s every corner had an automotive audio store yes and, and guys were the guys who owned these stores were making huge amounts of money you know with Pioneer and Alpine and Blaupunkt and and all these exotic. Um, uh, subwoofers and amplifiers from um, Fosgate and all the rest of it. You don't see that anymore because a couple of things. First of all, the audio that comes with cars is uh, is pretty good. Secondly, that audio, that infotainment system is integrated so deeply into the electronics of the car that you really can't unless you're, you know, uh, you know buying a, a, like a Hyundai Accent. You really shouldn't be touching that because it's it's so perfectly integrated. It's perfectly integrated. And third, I have heard, and I can't substantiate this, but I've heard if you mess with it, you mess with the warranty. And do you want to do that? Joining us now is the editor-in-chief for bestcaraudio.com, specializing in car and mobile technology, Dave McKinnon. David, good to have you with us. Afternoon, guys. So, Dave, when we wander the halls of the Las Vegas Convention Center through the uh, car component and the audio area specifically, how do I separate the wheat from the chaff here? What do we need to be looking for? The CES for, for the car audio industry has changed a lot. The first thing you're going to notice is that the OEM manufacturers have all but taken over that half of the North Hall. Uh, Audi is usually the the big sponsor there. Um, and then you'll have GM and Chrysler and Mercedes and whatever showing their latest creations that they'll you know release in the, to the public in a couple years. Uh, in terms of the, the car audio aftermarket companies, uh, typically you get greeted at the front door by uh, Kenwood and JVC, uh, Pioneer. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of the, the rest of the companies are, are sort of medium sized, uh, Arc Audio and uh, Stinger and Amp and that sort of thing. And they're, they're supporters. Um, but it's a, it's a mix of, you know, aftermarket car audio and the OEMs showing their latest technologies. Who is buying this stuff in a day and age when so much technology is already in the dashboard and all that technology is integrated with the entire car systems? What's the future for, for aftermarket car audio? 
Uh, well, you're, you're absolutely right. Things have changed a lot, especially over the last five years. The OEMs have, uh, you know, they've decided they want to be the leaders instead of the followers. The guys that are still in business, um, and the strong independents and the, the strong national chains, um, they're still doing audio. They're just integrating it with the factory radio, working with the factory amplifiers. And a lot of manufacturers are actually producing products um, to let these specialists do that. So they can take the signal out of um, the so-called premium factory audio system and then put even better speakers in and more powerful amplifiers and retune it to sound better. So there's still definitely a market um, for aftermarket audio. It's just a lot more work for the uh, for the right. retailers. And it, it's not so much the head unit, it's the stuff afterwards. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because yeah. I, I have a buddy who has a, a Honda Accord. And I think he invested three or four thousand dollars in um, aftermarket speakers, crossovers, subwoofers, and amplifiers. But he kept the head unit. Yep. Yep. Extremely common. Uh, my car. I've got a, a Hyundai Genesis sedan, and if someone had a gun to my head and told me to point at the head unit, I couldn't because there's a CD mechanism in the center of the dash. The screen also does, you know, the the HVAC controls. There's a control in the center console. There's a control on the steering wheel, and the actual amplifier in the trunk of the car is where the volume control actually works. So it's all connected digitally. Uh, it's all on the vehicle CAN bus. It's integrated into the heads-up display. It's integrated to the LCD screen in the center console. So yeah, when I decide it's time to upgrade the audio system, I'll take a signal out of their amplifier. I'll put it into a DSP processor and do what I have to do to it and then send it on to better amplifiers and better speakers. Okay, when it comes to OEM supply yeah. Uh, who, who, who are the big names? I mean, it used to be back in the day, you know, Fujitsu or, or Blaupunk. Who's who's the big names now? Absolutely. Um, I think what people the two that people recognize, obviously, Bose is still extremely strong. I uh, do a lot of work with General Motors. Uh, Mazda. Uh, I'm just looking out the window, thinking of cars. Uh, I, Nissan, yeah. What have I got? It's, uh, <laughs> Nissan. But the one that is uh, the one that actually seems to impress people the most um, is uh, the Harman Corporation, and they license their uh, we'll call it knowledge more than more than anything else um, to almost every manufacturer. But they do it under the lexicon. Um, JBL, Infinity, uh, they have a lot of different names. Ravel, I think, is in the new Lincolns, and it's it's purported to be quite stunning. And they do a lot of job. Uh, they do a, a lot of work, and they do a really good job. And the systems sound good. And what's really differentiating them from uh, what the aftermarket has been doing up until you know probably the last couple years is the systems are set up for everybody in the car so it used to be hey the driver's seat sounds great and so sorry for everybody else in the car and now they're using up mixers with center channels um to make you know the music sound really good for everybody so before we let you go i want to get a sense from you uh, as to where this goes from here because ces isn't just about you know what you'll be able to get under the christmas tree next year but also what's coming down the road five ten years from now and if the smart car the the autonomous self-driving vehicle is really the future i can only imagine the sense 
center console, the entertainment component to it is going to become just that much more important when you don't have to focus on the driving. Right. And I think uh, I think really uh, from that standpoint, Tesla is leading the way with their their massive well, long screen slash widescreen center console. <laughs> their iPad. Yeah, their monster you know, iPad extreme almost sort of thing where, yeah, I mean, if you want to you know read a book while you're driving, I suppose you, you still could. I think we're going to see a lot more smartphone um, connectivity. CarPlay and Android Auto have, uh, they've been bringing people back into the car stereo specialist shops because, you know, okay, we needed Bluetooth a few years ago, but now to be able to send text messages and listen to messages and make phone calls and get navigation and choose the music you want and stream music and all these things just by pushing a button and talking to your dashboard, um, you know, people are excited about that. And if they've got a couple year old car, um, or maybe five years old, you know, for reasonable money, they can walk into a, a, a stereo shop and say, listen, I, I'm interested in, in CarPlay and, oh, you can add a backup camera. That's great. And, you know, um, I think that's what we'll see definitely over the next little while. Now, you were talking about voice commands. Uh, this year was the first Christmas where smart speakers were the gadget that everybody had to have, whether it's Amazon Alexa, Google Home or, or uh, the Sonos one. Um, that's uh, has, has Alexa and Google Home uh, had conversations with auto manufacturers to integrate that technology? I think, I mean, Alexa is basically Google Voice, and then Apple is working on, you know, a similar home solution. So they'll have Siri, and that is what, you know, CarPlay and Android Auto represent. But they've been very careful to minimize the features so that it's a benefit and not a distraction. They're, the idea is that it's a, they're safety features. So rather than having to scroll through a hundred songs or a thousand songs on your, you know, on the screen of your radio, you just say, hey, I want to listen to Lord or I want to listen to, you know, 21 Pilots. And it just does it automatically. Fascinating stuff. Well, it's going to be a great year at 2018 CES. We appreciate your time and insight in uh, giving us a hint as to which way to go once we get there. Awesome. Have fun, guys. Enjoy the show. David McKinnon is the editor-in-chief of bestcaraudio.com. See ya. Bye. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. So in addition to, of course, us going to the big CES 2018 next week, uh, we, of course, have some support. And we want to say thank you to our supporters. Wow, that was really... That was awkward. That, that was, was really, really awful, wasn't it? Yeah, no. Pull that out of my butt. So we are getting some cash coming in the door, courtesy of those who want to see us make it to CES 2018. But we have the regulars and our world's worst intern program just got a few new members. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> would it be nice if people gifted that over Christmas? Oh, that would have been a great idea. We should do you gift know, certificates for, for next Christmas. We should. We really should. With two things we need to do next year. Number one, gift certificates for Christmas. Number two, we need to sell a sponsorship for CES. <laughs> Note to self. Yes. Dan Rosenson, thank you so much for supporting the big show. He's uh, a member of the World's Worst Intern Program. And, of course, you know what makes it the world's worst is you pay us to work on the program. A dollar an episode. You don't do any actual work. We just get to say thank you to you. And that's how it all comes together. You can set a lifetime limit. James Holm does not have 
have a lifetime limit on his $1 donation. We also do not have a lifetime limit from uh, Fabian Skioskia. I suppose considering he is now this week's co-producer with a $25 pledge that I should learn how to pronounce his name properly. It would be polite. Skioskia. That's what it looks like to me. Okay. Fabian, tell us. Let us know what that deal is. Uh, so as a result, Fabian uh, gets uh, a big shout out on the show as well. If you do want to sponsor the big CES episode, go to geeksandbeats.com slash CES. Uh, click on the donation link and we will make it a point of telling everybody how fantastic you are and talking about whatever your good or service may be. I got nothing to add to that. Um, I appreciate anybody who uh, may have donated over the uh, Christmas hiatus. It's a mostly... Uh, you know, how did you like having a whole month off? Well, it was weird because, again, <laughs> I flew in from Winnipeg this morning, and then uh, my wife says, uh, you know you have a podcast this afternoon. You go, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, you have to look. It's, it's on the calendar. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Get back to it. Yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. It would have been weird uh, in Vietnam. Terrible Wi-Fi. <laughs> so it, I it would have been very difficult. But you did enjoy Vietnam after your big experience? Like, you watched uh, that whole Netflix series. No, it was PBS. PBS. Yeah, yeah and we did uh, some war stuff. In fact, we were at the F Division 5 War Museum in Da Nang. Uh, we were on uh, China Beach, uh, which is um, uh, where all the, uh, uh, the American Marines and the Army uh, came ashore during the Vietnam War. And what was really kind of fascinating was as I was sitting there on, on, on China Beach looking out, there were some Vietnamese guys surfing. So, Charlie does surf. You don't get that, do you? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, anybody who watched Apocalypse Now and knows The Clash will understand that. Charlie does surf. And the other place that we went, and this was really, really somber, we went to uh, My Lai. Uh, which is where they had the, the American Marines uh, massacred 504 people on March the 16th in 1968, led by William Calley. I mean, wow. You, you hear about these things? Yeah, this okay. Right, are, are, okay you ending, are you ending the first episode of 2018 on a down note? I'm not. I'm saying that we experience living history. And, you know, this is, I, I remember vaguely bits of the Vietnam War. So we've been to the north, we've been to the center, now we've been to, uh, been to the south. I tell you where, you know where we went? We went to the Hanoi Hilton. I, I sat in John McCain's cell at the Hanoi Hilton. Oh. Well, how was the turndown service? Uh, you know, the turndown service, well, okay, put it this way, there was nothing to turn down. <laughs> Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation. Hey, dude, sorry to interrupt your pan-Asian vacation here, but I got some good news and I got some bad news. Um, okay, what's what's the good news? The good news is we're going to Vegas, baby, oh. Vegas. I got okay. us media passes to CES. All right. Um, what What's the bad news? Y'all still want me to come with you? Well, the bad news is, is that I basically blew the entire annual budget of the podcast just getting the necessary gear so that we can broadcast live from the floor of the Las Vegas Convention Center. What? So, in other words, we ran out of listener donations for hotel rooms. So, um, we're, we're sleeping on the streets in, in, yeah. in Las Vegas? That seems like it. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! 
the world's most popular podcast will be live on location at the 2018 Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. So help send the geeks to Sin City to uncover the next nerd toy you can't live without. Visit geeksandbeats.com. Then join the nerds January 9th through 12th as they bring the big show live from Vegas. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now on Instagram too. And you'll never miss a moment. Geeks and Beats live on location at CES 2018.